0: Live from Austin, Texas, where the music never ends, no matter how much you want it to. It's Retro Pals with Danny and Alex. Hello, Alex.
1: Hello, Danny. Please make it stop. The music. The The music. music.
0: It never ends.
1: All day, every day, I hear this little bird screaming at me about the beach, (laughs) and he won't stop.
0: Even in Austin, uh, the birds are musicians. They all Uh, have an indie band. They want you to go listen to them play at the coffee shop.
1: They're always telling me to go to 6th Street, and I'm like, I can't. That place is expensive now. <laughs> go to Rainy Street, go and pay like $10 for a, for a shiner. Come on. It's
0: ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So we have a very special episode of the Retro Pals podcast for you today. This episode is essentially a compilation of all the research we've put into something that, as far as we know, is entirely undocumented on the internet. This is a lost media property. That happens to intersect with the world of video games, which is how we found out about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much it was just like, what are these weird turbo Graphics games? Where did they come from? Did they really get the rights to use Beach Boys music? And then it kind of spiraled out of control from there.
1: Took completely and utterly out of control.
0: This episode is all about Camp California. Uh, the lost Beach Boys cartoon, multimedia property, and animal personas for the Beach Boys themselves. Yep. Pretty much. That's a real thing. That, that really happened. Or rather, it almost did. Almost. Kinda. It's, Halfway.
1: Yeah, it you'll, kind of happened.
0: You'll see. Uh, through circumstances beyond our control, we have become the de facto source for information about Camp California. It's true. So Alex went ahead and put in the legwork and actually did some real life research to try to get to the bottom of this thing to figure out if it ever existed, or to what extent they wanted to make Camp California a thing. And eventually, why it failed. We hope to share some insight on that. Okay. Uh, mostly, though, I'm just going to sit back and let Alex ramble about media history because that's his <laughs> uh, area of expertise. When we get to the games, I'm going to be all about the games because, good God, there's a lot to say about them. <laughs> Let's start from the beginning, Alex. What is Camp California?
1: Camp California is <laughs> is a media franchise property owned by Camp California Inc., which was founded by uh, Beach Boy Mike Love. Now, what they ended up putting out was a CD and two games for the Turbo Graphics, which we'll talk about when we get to it. But there was a lot more planned for it than that. So, in particular, there was a cartoon planned. And, you know, it wasn't the first time the Beach Boys had tried to do a cartoon. Yeah, um, yeah. so there's three attempts well, one attempt and two supposed attempts to make a Beach Boys cartoon. In 1971, uh, the Beach Boys were going to team up with Fred Crippen at Pantomime Pictures to make a yellow submarine kind of knockoff uh, TV show about environmentalism. It's going to have, like, trippy visuals... And it's gonna tell you to eat healthy and eat your vegetables. Anyways, it never came up. It never came about. But there are images of it, and it's very, very trippy, right, Danny? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: By the way, in the YouTube archive of this video, I want to put in supplemental material of everything you see. So right here, you should put uh, those '60s ass Beach Boys (laughs) as they appeared, looking oh so much like Yellow Submarine.
1: Oh yeah, the one where it just says oil spill and it's like just crowding on them. A little on the nose there with the environmentalism, but I get it. But
0: essentially, like this was a repeated attempt, like someone out there really wanted the Beach Boys to be a cartoon mm-hmm. and they tried oh so many times mm-hmm. and came so close.
1: There is an apocryphal attempt by Hanna-Barbera in the 70s as well, where it was going to be a real uh, kind of, what is that, like a like a Scooby-Doo-esque cartoon where they had a beach buggy and one of them did karate. I think Carl Wilson did karate. I'm not sure. That
0: sounds about right. Yeah. That and sounds I- like Carl.
1: I I forget what one of I think Brian Wilson was the one who liked food, yeah. And then there was a third attempt. I think it was 2016. A Beach Boys fan found a bunch of cells at a New York City garage sale. The cells were dated in the 70s, and the cells featured the Beach Boys as as personas is like funny animals like uh brian was a bear in particular and uh mike love was like a scheming looking duck and yeah it's <laughs> no, very interesting
0: there was two cells right one mm-hmm. was just like typical beach boys cartoons yeah and then the same arrangement of characters but as furry animals this time
1: yeah yeah no one knows about those if you go to the beach boys fan forums they don't know what that's about either they don't know about the Hanna Bear one but the fred crippen attempt that's that definitely tried but they had been trying for quite some time
0: We've yet to verify that last uh, attempt at the cartoon, considering it was just random cells found Mm -hmm. at a garage sale. Mm -hmm. But considering the many attempts uh, that were made to bring the Beach Boys to the cartoon world, it kind of lines up. So I'm ready to believe it.
1: Yeah, it definitely probably happened. Now, that's all pre-1987. Now, in 1987, uh, if you're a Beach Boys fan, you kind of know that, like, Brian Wilson fell out of everything and a whole bunch of stuff happened and it was really weird. And, like, go go look that up on (laughs) Wikipedia.org.
0: The Beach Boys were a troubled band, to put it mildly. (laughs) To
1: put it mildly! Uh,
0: That kind of falls outside the scope of this show, but Mm -hmm. needless to say, in the mid-90s, the Beach Boys kind of had a lot more lawsuits going on than actual music. Mm -hmm. Uh, I read up, and apparently in 93, Mike Love launched what he called the the biggest awardment suit in case of music fraud. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) In which he was uh, retroactively given credit for a lot of the Beach Boys' biggest hits. And in fact, he may have been what was spearheading this whole attempt to bring him to the cartoon world.
1: Yep. 1987, Camp California Incorporated tried to file some uh, uh, trademarks for the Camp California brand children's clothing, or just kind of beach clothing, kind of like TNC Surf Factory and all those uh, California branded t shirts that were happening in the late 80s. And they filed a trademark for a bear who looks much like the Camp California mascot we'll see in the games, just kind of sitting on the beach, chilling out.
0: (laughs) A trademarked bear.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, and also before then, there was an attempt at a Camp California cartoon by Deke, I looked into it. It's not associated with the one with a video game and stuff like that. It was a... I think this is what uh, Wheeled Warriors was before it was Camp California. So if huh. you're if you're a deke nerd, uh, look into the failed attempt to make a Camp California cartoon in 1988.
0: Yeah, all you deke heads out there, uh, mm-hmm. research
1: that. So after that, this is where Danny's uh, gaming expertise might come in. A little computer system came out called the TurboGrafx.
0: Yep, the little computer system from Pasadena, is what they called it. (laughs) TurboGrafx-16, if you're a huge nerd, you may know what it is, but essentially the TurboGrafx-16 is a U.S. version of the PC Engine, a console created in uh, cooperation between NEC and Hudson in Japan. This thing was actually very popular in Japan. If you remember the 16-bit wars over here, it was between Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Graphics was a distant third place. Mm-hmm. They didn't even come close. Japan, though, it was Super Nintendo, followed by PC Engine, and then followed by the Sega Mega Drive at dead last. So there was all that going in the background, and what NEC decided to appeal to the, the Western audience is, hey, let's get some computer game developers on board. Let's have them develop some games. So they brought on ICOM, who was known for their Mac Venture series, those games being Shadowgate, Deja Vu, and The Uninvited, which later received NES ports, and Cinemaware, who died almost immediately after making that agreement <laughs> due to the horrible debacle that is It Came From the Desert. Oh,
1: we tried playing that once. It's so bad. It, it crashed. It was not a good time. So ICOM uh, decided, uh, I think either Camp California, the people at Camp California Inc., Mike Love's uh, weird Beach Boys for Kids brand, either they approached ICOM or ICOM approached them, but either way, uh, Camp California started development and started being previewed in 1990. It's a game for the both the Turbo CD and the Turbo graphics system. It was going to be an exclusive, and it was kind of pushed. It's like, yeah, yeah, here's this great new game that's coming out. It's exclusive for the system. It's got kicking music and things like that. And there's a preview of it in GamePro in 1990, and it's an entirely different game.
0: Yeah, this was surprising to me. Uh, I thought I knew everything about the Camp California brand when it comes to video games. and You yet, are wrong! And Alex shows me this preview from GamePro showing an entirely different game. Uh, to me, it looked like they were more trying to clone the TNC Surf Designs slash California Games formula. California Games was uh, a computer game turned 8-bit NES game, and TNC Surf Designs, I think, was an NES original. And so, yeah. both of those covered much of the same material. It was all about... Uh, The the surfing, it was all about the skateboarding, all Mm. about doing different tricks, being a rad dude. And this game would have followed suit. It was apparently a mini-game compilation where in addition to surfing and skateboarding, you also had to kick uncool people out of your restaurant or something. <laughs> yes,
1: you had to kick people. You had to have a beach party and kick out the party poopers. This,
0: if you're if you're any sort of familiar with the games that actually came out, this bears no resemblance to those. Mm-hmm. And yet it would have made a whole lot more sense considering they wanted both an apparel line. And a multimedia property. That's exactly what happened with TNC. So it would make sense they would follow that formula.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking because when you look at the uh, Camp California design um, for the T-shirt, it has a real TNC feel to it. And those things were really blowing up. Like, So it makes sense that they were going to try T-shirts and then kind of move on to like games and then things like that follow the T C uh line now, that makes sense it's the beach boys like that's a trusted beach brand you think the beach you're like oh beach boys pasadena yeah yeah i'm i'm uh riding my woody i love my woody it's woody time baby excuse you well that's, that's the beach boys why do they love their woodies you know
0: you want to tell us what a woody is before we move on because this does actually figure into the games
1: <laughs> okay a Woody is a station wagon preferred by surfers covered with wood on it.
0: It's like a, a junk car that's been recommissioned by a strategic wood paneling. Is that-,
1: <laughs> that? That It's, it's yeah, basically it's a car with a lot of wood on it. It's it's a, yeah, it's a California thing. It's a okay. California thing. You wouldn't understand.
0: I, I guess I wouldn't because when I hear Woody, I think of something very different. I mean,
1: that's a different kind of game you can play on the Turbo graphics, but maybe only in Japan.
0: That's true. That's true. So anyway, this game, they announced it was going to be the same on cartridge and CD, mm-hmm. or rather, uh, hue card, as it's- the as the format was known. Mm-hmm. Uh, the CD version would have just been enhanced with Redbook audio, is that right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it was slated to come out in uh, August 1990. Yeah, but- so
0: that's pretty early in mm-hmm. the TurboGrafx's lifespan. Uh, the games that did release came out quite a bit later, at least a year later. Mm-hmm. I can only assume there was like... All kinds of behind-the-scenes chaos, because what little they showed of that original game never came to fruition. It was apparently canceled, fully fully recalled, and reconfigured. I guess uh, Mike Love started screaming at the people at ICOM, <laughs> being like, No, this is bullshit. Make a completely different game, please. <laughs> I can only assume that's what happened.
1: I mean, that's one thing that happened, but it, it, it could have been quite a few things as well. They like Maybe maybe it just fucking sucked. Like I, That's all I could think of is they either were pressed for time or it sucked. And- <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, as a sidebar here, uh, we've covered several of ICOM's games for our regular show, Mascot Friday, where mm-hmm. we rank platformers. We've covered stuff like Ghost Manor, Terrible. Shapeshifter, I think, barely made it over the Bubsy line, but yeah, yeah, their games were not good. Again, this was an adventure game developer that was thrust into the world of console gaming via a partnership with NEC, and they were doing the best they could, but in reality, what they really wanted to make was really gruesome horror adventure games for PCs. Later, they would make stuff like Beyond Shadowgate, which followed up directly on Shadowgate, but mostly their uh, TurboGrafx properties were unrelated.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were very, very different from what they were doing there. So YoBro, uh, so the TurboGrafx version of Camp California does come out as YoBro, and it was originally actually titled as Camp California Yo Bro. In fact, if you look at the back of uh, Silent Debuggers, it has an ad being like, hey, check out Camp California YoBro. It's going to be great. It was not great. It was,
0: it was quite bad. <laughs> Is it time to talk about Yo Bro yet?
1: I think it's time to talk about Yo Bro.
0: Oh my God. Well, hold on to your asses because I'm going to tell y'all about Yo Bro. Yo Bro is pretty notorious among uh, TurboGrafx collectors and people into the scene. Uh, the US exclusive TurboGrafx games, of which ICOM made a few, they're not especially well regarded, especially considering the Japanese PC Engine lineup was all these really excellent shooters and, and platformers. All kinds of stuff that never got released in the States, because instead what we got was ICOM platformers and CinemaWare sports games, for whatever reason. <laughs> Yo Bro, um... Boy, it sure feels like a game that went through development hell, because it feels so unfocused. It has extremely tenuous links to the Beach Boys themselves. It does have the music. There's chiptune renditions of, like, four or five Beach Boys tracks that play throughout the game. And I guess it also carries forth the environment-friendly message, which Camp California was a fan of mm-hmm. is that fair to say
1: yeah yeah no that's definitely a thing that all the beach boys try to always say they wanted to put in their children's properties so yeah
0: except this was by icom who traded in ghouls and skeletons and demons so this concept went through the ringer and at least one complete development restart and emerged as a sick twisted vision of what originally was pitched you control little bro who is only one of the Camp California, what is it, like five of them?
1: There's five of them, yeah.
0: Yeah, so as far as this game exists, if this is the only thing you know about Camp California, you, only, you think there's only one character. That's Little Bro, uh, the little brother to Brian Wilson's Byron the Bear, mm-hmm. who would star in the second game. But in this game, it's just him. You go around skateboarding in these wide open arenas. It's an overhead view action game. You control a bear on a skateboard who has a slingshot, And he has to shoot the bad guys and save the children from the environmental scourge that affects each stage.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Sounds okay, right? Like, in concept, it sounds a little bit like Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Like, you go around shooting zombies, you save the neighbors before they can get uh, killed. (laughs) (laughs) Things like that. So this concept didn't come out of nowhere. And yet the execution is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in a video game. It's
1: kind of gory.
0: There's that, but... The controls are horrible you cannot control this game the the slingshot fires in a weird arc and you need to hit things on the ground so you like have to stand an entire screen away and hope that the force of gravity causes it to fall on the enemies as you shoot them the the control skating mechanism is completely out of whack and the shooting is almost impossible and playing this game is a slog but if you do play through it you're rewarded with some of the most fucked up imagery I've ever seen in a family-friendly video game. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess Beach Boys, uh, Mike Love, they pitched this game and they were all like, save the kids from whatever is affecting them in the environment. So you go around these different cities in California and each stage, to its credit, does have a different theme with different characters or rather uh, different enemies to fight off. This is gauntlet styled. You need to destroy the enemy generators and also save the kids, but that's a secondary objective. These, these things that you have to destroy in each stage, they include things like earthquake generators, mm-hmm. killer bees, killer bunnies, uh, man-eating plants, other things that want to eat human beings, <laughs> uh, things that will immolate human beings or skeletonize them immediately. Let me just put it this way. Uh, these enemies, if left to their own devices, they will track down the kids in each level and kill them. It's not just like in a puff of smoke or like, uh, oops, they spin around and fall through the ground or whatever. If a killer bee swarm catches up to a kid in this in this game, it skeletonizes them in seconds. They spin around and turn into a fucking skeleton.
1: Like a pile of bones, right? Like it's really Yeah, it's, it's 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 very it's kind of scary.
0: Yeah, and even the more innocuous ones like oh, killer bunny rabbits, watch out for the killer bunnies. You let one of those catch up to a kid, it latches onto their neck and you see a blood spurt and they fall to the ground dead. <laughs> like Is this is this what the Beach Boys wanted? Is this why they made all that music in the fifties and sixties, so so they could use it for this?
1: It's like what environmentalist issue is murderous rabbits. Like that's <laughs> so, like, that's not a problem you have in California.
0: So <laughs> in each of these levels you, you go around trying to save these kids while they're getting skeletonized or burned up or eaten, in the case of the man-eating plants,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's all vaguely disturbing. You won't notice that, though, because you're going to be too busy raging at the game. It is impossible to play.
1: It's bad. It's very bad.
0: Should you ever devote the time to becoming a Yo-Bro expert, however, you'll discover the game actually has bonus games after every several levels. Uh, In the interstitial screen, it'll show Little Bro falling asleep on a park bench, and he'll dream a wonderful dream of what he wants to be, and what he wants to be is copyright-skirting replications of popular movies of the era. <laughs> so the first one of these that you see is him th- uh, flying through the sky as Superman while a slightly off-key rendition of John Williams' Superman theme plays. This goes on for a few seconds and only lasts until you die. But it's all like, wow, what? What? Are, there's a there's a parody of Superman in here. Weird. A few levels later, he falls asleep again. This time it's an overhead view, vertically scrolling shooter where you control the Batwing in what looks like Gotham and an almost note for note rendition of Danny Elfman's Batman theme plays in the background. (laughs) So by now you're like, oh, okay, ICOM's just, they're either bored or taking the piss or whatever. They just want to put in little bonuses in this game. If you commit to a full, at least two hour playthrough of Yo Bro, if you're committed to seeing the final level and finishing the game, you get one final bonus stage before the very short ending sequence. That Mona stage has little bro assuming the role of RoboCop in a side-scrolling run-and-gun shooting sequence where you shoot bad guys out of windows and each time a massive spurt of blood comes out of them. (laughs) This actually happens. You can look up the long play to confirm this. I'm not making this up. It's inexplicable is what it is. I can only think that ICOM was so sick of having the project restarted or interfered with that they were all like, okay, what we really want is to make a gory adventure game. So we got to have some skeletons in here. We got to have some gore. Can we put the Grim Reaper in there? He's in all our games. Sure. It's just, I hate to, to stereotype this company based on their prior works, but <laughs> there's there's a lot in common between, say, Shadowgate and Yo Bro. <laughs> And you would not expect that, but that is totally the case. And anyway, that's all that sticks out in my mind about Yo Bro. It has licensed music, it has weird, out-of-place blood and gore, and it's also nothing you would ever want to play. No. This game's also a mystery among the TurboGrafx community, because, first of all, how can a game this bad come to our beloved system full of some of the best shooters of all time? And second of all... This Beach Boys music, what is this, what is this trying to be? Did they steal this Beach Boys music? Did they have the license? Who's this character? What is Camp California, if anything? So even as a promotional tool, this game fails, Mm because years later, people are just left scratching their heads wondering what the hell is this. And if they commit to the time to finishing the game, they go, wow, what the fuck is this? (laughs) So a little bit of an upgrade in that uh, regard. (laughs) but anyway that's as as a uh, as a gaming enthusiast and an outsider to the world of lost media that's my reaction to yo bro
1: <laughs> it's not good and having played it myself yeah it wasn't it no it's it's not i don't think it represents the uh, camp california brand as best as it could
0: it does not yeah it, it doesn't make you curious about the brand it doesn't make you want to seek out more about camp california it just makes it makes you want to forget the whole thing ever happened
1: so, not only did uh, Yo Bro uh, come out in 1991, what also happened was uh, Camp California Inc., the company that owned all the Camp California company, uh, copyrights that was run by Mike Love, they filed a few more copyrights, they refined the Byron character, he looks like a cool surfer bear, they have like some other stuff that they were doing. So, in they were prepping for a big push to really push Camp California to marketers, to publishers, to try to push the brand and... Then comes 1992, as I wrote in my notes, the year Byron blows up.
0: <laughs> Byron the Bear blows up. All right, one sec. Uh, given that they were trying to establish these characters and brands as late as 92, maybe that's why Yo Bro only had Little Bro in it. Mm-hmm. Maybe the other characters were still in development, still being honed and refined.
1: You know, I think they are, because, um, well, I'll get to when I mention Camp California, but for a while... When uh, the media was talking about Camp California, like in Variety and stuff, they just said, oh yeah, it's something about cartoon bears? We don't know. It's Beach Boys (laughs) bears. It's cartoon bears and they sing.
0: It's your job to know. Why didn't anyone tell you?
1: (laughs) Well, maybe they didn't have anything other than bears, you know? I guess. So, Danny, Uh we need to discuss the (laughs) the, the, the bubble in Japan in the 90s for this. I swear to God, this ties to this. Okay, I trust you. So, you know the Japanese economic bubble due to... Land prices rising and rising and development going up. It's a hell
0: of a bubble. hmm Burst it, in the early 90s. hmm
1: Now, while it was bursting, um, another boom was happening. There was a boom in satellite TV and radio at the time, especially in like the early like, 90, ni- 89, 90. In fact, uh, that's where Giga came out. There was a bunch of satellite TV uh, stations that were coming out in Japan. And a lot of people were getting into the satellite TV game there.
0: St. Giga would later produce the uh, Satellaview add-on for uh, the Super Famicom in Japan alongside Nintendo. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah. We've covered that before.
1: So, yeah. So, this bubble was happening and all these satellites were going up and they needed content for them. So, uh, uh, multiple Japanese companies, some who were previously involved in uh, real estate who wanted to go into a lucrative market, uh, a lot of them were starting to team up with American TV producers. Two corporations and from Japan, Mitani, who was a commodity seller from the that started in the '40s, it sold sunglasses in Brazil. They sold uh, cement in Japan. They teamed up with a uh, information systems electronics company, JTS International. They decided to team up with Tom Hewlett and Associates and Lionel Shane. Now, you may know some of you anime nerds may know Lionel, but let's go over Tom Hewlett and Associates.
0: That is a different Tom Hewlett from the. Uh... The Konami producer, Tom Hewlett, by the way.
1: Not a gaming Tom Hewlett. He is a music Tom Hewlett. In fact, he's a music producer who produced uh, concerts for Elvis, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, He produced two uh, closed-circuit TV fights for Muhammad Ali versus uh, Frasier. And he was also the manager of the Beach Boys, Frank Zappa, and a lot of other uh, bands. So he was a really big deal. And he was really, really pushing for uh, a cartoon for the Beach Boys. In fact, I have a quote of him here. Yeah, he says, uh, All of a sudden we can play in the big leagues with this new company that we're starting up here with these two Japanese companies. The company that they started up was called Mudia. It, uh, the two companies put in 60 million dollars. They gave 60 million to Tom and Lionel Shane and were like, Hey, we need content and we need it fast who can you help us with? So uh, Tom was like, okay, I can get you a Moody Blues concert. I can get, I can team you up with Variety. You can do a special with them. But I've also got something I've been working on for a while. You see, there's this cartoon I would like to do, and I know you're looking for music stuff, but it's a Beach Boys cartoon, and I think you would be the perfect producers for this. And they were like, okay, yeah, we'll pitch in some money for this. So he and Lionel Shane, who you may know from producing stuff for KCTV, TV, KCAL TV, and... Also for being the president of Harmony Gold. Oh. Yeah.
0: I know that Harmony Gold. Yeah.
1: So, uh... The
0: the Robotech people. Mm -hmm,
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The former Harmony Gold guy and uh, the Beach Boys producers founded an entire media company with two Japanese uh, information systems people, and we're going to produce a uh, cartoon with them along with Landmark Entertainment, who were the people who did uh, Universal's Islands of Adventure.
0: Man, and with their business partners, they could also sell concrete.
1: Mhm. They Amazing. could. They could sell the concrete to the people at Universal. But yeah, so this was going to be a huge thing. It was. It was all over if you look up a Variety because Variety ended up being who they teamed up with to produce a syndicated special called Variety Reviews '92 with all the wacky stuff that happened there. And yeah, it was Variety was like, yeah, they're gonna introduce Variety to Japan. We're so excited. A few they produced a few PPVs and some other stuff, but they were big on that. But you know, there's like, some- like hmm.
0: wrestling PPVs or like no music, music PPVs, okay, that concert makes more PPVs. Sense. No, I wish I they did wrestling why. PPVs. My, my mind immediately jumped to wrestling when you said PPV. Dude,
1: I would love to see. I would love to see uh, the Beach Boys uh, do some pile drivers on uh, Cle- Green's Clearwater Revival. <laughs> you guys are goners.
0: Get Camp California in WrestleMania Nine. Can't make it worse.
1: <laughs> so uh, now that wasn't the only thing they wanted to do with Camp California because they they were pushing Camp California. Anywhere they could. So you got the cartoon. They also, there also was, aside from the Japanese satellite TV boom, there was a boom in kids' radio stations, specifically AM stations at the time. And there's also a boom in kids' music, kids' cartoons. So everyone wanted on that wagon, including Sony. So Sony founded Sony Kids which was going to take a lot of media properties like King Arthur and Knights of the Round and a few other things, including a ni- a rapping Nike ABC album. And they were taking all these different properties and producing CDs for them. Mm. And one thing they wanted to pick up was Camp California. And they wanted to do a double thing called a beach kit, where it'd be the song, and it'd come with the tape with the cartoons on it, with the singing bears and things like that. And a yeah,
0: cross-media blitz, as mm-hmm. they call it.
1: In fact, it actually even went to uh, Toys, Hardee's and Carl's Jr. produced a series of Camp California toys that came out in 1992 featuring um, Lil Bro and Byron the Bear. They were things like frisbees, uh, squirt toys, but yeah, just featuring the two bear characters.
0: Yeah, so if you want some of the little extant media that surrounds this uh, this cross-media property, check out your local eBay for Hardee's and Carl's Jr. toys featuring Camp California. One of the few pieces of evidence that this thing ever existed.
1: There's one more thing. So, Mike Love, we mentioned that, you know, he believes in, like, you know, cleaning up the environment. He, he believes in that sort of thing. He also believes in community service. So, in the, in the early 1990s, uh, like, in 1990, he formed... StarServe. It's basically a, a tax shelter for rich people. But what it actually is, is, hold on, it's students taking action and responsibility to serve. It enlisted high-profile celebrities to inspire America's youth to help serve their communities. On this was Kid and Play. Uh, I think the cast of 90210 was there.
0: So the rich people can get their kick back while poor kids pick up garbage. Basically. Sounds great.
1: So this was founded by Mike Love. He got in all these other musicians and, uh, uh, U.S. Department of Education, along with Kraft Foods, released a Star Surf kit uh, in the ni- in 1992 to give out to kids to teach them to, like, I don't know, pick up some trash or shit like that. Talk to some seniors. We don't know. <laughs> hey kids, pick up trash. And you know, remember how Dare had a mascot, like that weird lion or something like that, or barely. Okay, well, <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned bears. Star Surf had a mascot, and that was Byron the fucking bear.
0: Ah, uh, Byron again. You can't Popping escape Byron. Popping up like a bad penny. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's actually some, there's a little key art for it, and it's Byron like, hey, I'm a big journalist. Look at me. I'm doing community service. I'm a cool bear.
0: I'm Byron the Bear, and I've been ordered to perform 100 hours of community service, but I'm doing it for you, kids. <laughs>
1: By the way, that was a very unexpected place to find Byron, the U.S. Department of Education, when I, I was w- doing my
0: research. I would imagine, yeah. he's. It seems like for a couple of years they tried to put him everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, they were trying anything to gain a foothold in whatever market they
1: could with Camp California. They tried so hard they pushed they formed a media company to push camp california they they went to sony like when sony kids wanted the big next new thing they put all their money in camp california they bet it all on camp california everyone put all their the turbo graphics they picked up camp california everyone picked up camp california as the big 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 property
0: yep and Everyone wanted this to happen. And in
1: 1993, it was all going to come out. The CD, the cartoon, the Camp California Turbo CD game that was going to be Byron the Bear's year. Everything was going to blow up for the Camp California brand in 1993.
0: But what happened? Stay tuned after the break to find out. Camp.
1: From the East
0: Coast hustle to the shores of California. The kids
1: everywhere are checking out something new From the Bayou to the Rockies, Kansas City to
0: San Antonio Everybody wants to hang with the West Coast tip back. It's Retro Pals, and we're talking Camp California on this very special expose episode. What happened to that bear and his family? Well, yeah. he, he had a brother. I don't know if the other characters were his family. We'll get to the characters well, yeah, in a second. Yeah. At this point in our rambling story camp california is set to explode it's a rocket getting ready to take off Mm -hmm. it's going to invade your video game consoles it's going to invade the airwaves you're going to hear it on the radio you can't get away from these damn bears and birds it's camp california and you have to learn to accept them because they're a fact of life now or so mike love wanted it to be we hit 1993 and this is the make or break moment when some of the biggest pieces of media from the Camp California brand actually got released, mm-hmm. and we will study those as well as the aftermath. So, where should we start here, Alex?
1: Do you want to start with the game, or
0: let's? Uh, why don't we start with that CD, okay. since that's fresh on my mind?
1: Okay, let's talk about the Camp California CD.
0: So, Camp California. When we first started investigating it, I found a listing for an audio CD called Camp California. Where the music never ends. Uh, Very little information about it. It doesn't have an entry on Discogs. It's not on most music archiving websites. However, there were a few copies on eBay. Uh, There was one disc-only copy for like 99 cents. And then one sealed copy for the princely sum of 10 American dollars. Oh, damn. The CD was not ripped. uh, As far as I knew, no one knew about it or knew that it existed. So I thought I'd buy it. And rip it myself and listen to the music. Turns out someone beat us to it a couple months ago. Uh, a person by the name of Heyunkyo Alien on YouTube. Uh, I looked at those videos and I listened to him and I thought, ah, well, at least that the music's out there somewhere. Look at his description of the videos, and apparently this is a friend of the show because he shouts out the Retro Pals as his favorite Twitch streamers.
1: <laughs> Thank you, first of all.
0: That's uh, that's very nice of you. I'm, but it also. <laughs> It it sucks that we're the de facto uh, source for all information on this. Still, thank you for putting the music out there so other people can listen to it. Yeah, if you want to hear the full album, go to Heonkyo Aliens channel on YouTube and listen to Camp California where the music never ends. What this is, is a collection of tracks, some of which are Beach Boys covers performed by the Camp California cast, which are cartoon bears and birds. The CD is nothing unusual, though. Uh, Disney and other companies would put out little surf rock inspired albums for kids, you know, stuff to connect the older generation with the up and comers, the kids and the adults being like, hey, this is what I listened to as a kid. Isn't it cool? And the kids are like, yeah, it's got Mickey in it now. It's cool.
1: I, I remember that there was a Mickey Oldies album, actually, that I had as a kid. It, it featured uh, Donald Duck doing yakity yak. And it was really. Duck, Duck, Duck. It was just Daisy yelling at Donald to do his chores and getting angrier and angrier again. <laughs> cool. It was, it was really weird.
0: So, so, again, like with their original plans for the video game, it followed a basic plan, a template, and it attempted to capitalize on the successes of the past. The CD. I'd say around a third of the tracks are Beach Boys covers. They got stuff like Fun, Fun, Fun. They got uh, Surfing USA. They got... Um,
1: Little Lady from Pasadena. That w- one actually charted.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another third of the songs are just generic surf songs that aren't actually Beach Boys songs. So they got Surfing Bird in there. They got Wipeout in there. And those songs in particular are ones where they choose to have the cast kind of show off their personalities. So what they do is they just kind of riff over the music. Uh, so there's this there's this crazed bird drummer who's all like, "Oh no, I'm gonna wipe out!" Yeah, it, it goes like that.
1: <laughs> that drummer is very crazed. Though I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wipe out!
0: Yeah, yeah, but but mostly it's Byron the Bear, uh serving in the role of Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson. And the other characters following suit, spouting off whenever they have a, a spare moment. Now, you could consider this to be ruining the songs because it is just Beach Boys and Surfer music, only every couple of every couple of verses they're all like, Hey, I'm a bird, why don't we party? <laughs> and it just goes like that for the whole <laughs> album. I And the final third of music on this album is original tracks, which really put the Camp California cast front and center. There's a song that's just called Little Bro, and I don't remember how the chorus goes, but it's basically just, he's little bro, he's part of Camp California. And then they say, he's little bro, he's part of Camp California. Just just music that really only serves to hammer in who these characters are and why you should buy their merchandise.
1: (laughs) 'cause he's like I can skate and I'm in Camp California too and I'm cool. <laughs> yeah. Look at me. I'm I'm a little bro. I'm also a member of the crew.
0: There was also uh what was that Lara's song what's her name Lisa's <laughs> is, is song it Cindy Cindy's song is,
1: is her name Cindy I, it might we...
0: be who cares <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's the only girl of the group she gets a song she gets to sing about love uh, Byron is kind of like the lovable goof who's all like whoa I don't want romance I just love to surf mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing
1: and there's like three birds right?
0: There's three freaking birds in this band. There's a Jack Nicholson impersonator. I love
1: him. He's there's so-
0: there's the crazed bird on guitar, and then there's another crazed bird on drums. Is,
1: is, which one of them is a tiny bird? Because I know one of them's very small.
0: That's little asshole. He's okay. the lead guitar player. I
1: love him. Oh well, uh, what's the word? The bird is the word. What do you mean? It's all about the bird. What's the scene? You haven't heard. Tell me again! No, bird to prefer! What? What did you say? Yo, man, would you listen? The bird is the word. I said the bird! What? Bird! Huh? Bird! What? Bird! What? bird. Huh?
0: Now, all of this sounds very uh, very formulaic. It's not surprising. A lot of things attempted this kind of thing. What may surprise you is the voice cast they chose for this. There were actually established names in the voice actor industry, including Nancy Cartwright. Bart Simpson herself. Uh, if you listen to the album, Lil Bro sounds a little bit like Ralphie Wiggum, so that's obviously her. <laughs> it's also got uh, Kath Susie, who was known for the Rugrats and many, many, many other cartoon voices. Uh, who else was on there?
1: Uh, Hal Rail. And Jess Harnell. Jess Harnell.
0: Yeah, one of them was like Wacko or Yakko or something, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And uh, Susan Boyd was on this too.
0: So yeah, you may hear some familiar voices on this CD should you ever listen to it. And you can now that it's out on YouTube. I recommend it. It is a real throwback to the early 90s when anything was merchandisable. (laughs) Anything else to say about this audio CD, Alex? I did buy the thing with liner notes. Did they actually tell you anything?
1: The liner notes, just uh, the interesting thing about the liner notes is it has the lyrics to the songs. It has the credits. And it also has key art that you don't see anywhere else of like the characters doing cool things, surfing, playing the playing their uh, instruments, and it features like nice little art of each of the characters inside the liner notes, which, are single piece of really flimsy, crappy paper, like tissue paper. Basically. Yeah,
0: it's it's a fold-out piece of paper. It doesn't even have pages. It sucks. I was honestly expecting more. I I, I don't know why, but I kind of expected it to be like the Rosetta Stone of Camp California <laughs> to really put everything in context and explain why it exists. Unfortunately, not the case. No. Not the case.
1: So the album was actually pretty, it, it, uh, I don't know how well it charted in regular charts, but it actually charted on the kids' radio stations. It charted for years, actually, in 94. Uh, let me read you the, the, the top five songs from 1994 for a kids' radio station, Radio Oz. Sure. Number one, uh, you've got Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen's Double Up. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Number two, you've got Yakko Warner's, uh, Yakko's World. <laughs> And at number three, you've got Kids from Camp California's Little old Lady from Pasadena. That was a song they were pushing. So
0: two of the top five songs were from Yakko's voice actor.
1: <laughs> yes. And then you've got Raven-Symoné's uh, Hip Hop Teddy Bear. Right. You've got uh, Cookie Monster's Healthy Food. And then you've got Mariah Carey's Hero? Well, okay, I guess that, that tracks. Uh, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, it's, yeah, it's music for all ages. Anyone can enjoy Mariah Carey. <laughs>
1: So so it charted. It actually did OK in the market it was meant to do OK in.
0: Yeah, nice. And you remember actually hearing that version of Little Old Lady from Pasadena, don't yes, you?
1: Yes, I uh, listened to Radio Oz as a kid, and that song was inescapable. It, was, it had that little intro with the granny being like, I'm on the roll, I'm going to kick your ass, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. and, and then she just was like, wow, granny!
0: That song's great, because it's reverent towards a granny who will just murder you if she sees you. It's all <laughs> yeah. like, stay off the road if you see the old lady. Uh, just stay at home, or she'll kill you. She'll,
1: she'll cut you down. Yeah, so she'll, she'll cut you down with her
0: car. I can see why that was so popular.
1: No, it was. It was great. I like. I do like the intro they add to the CD where the Camp California kids are like, "Oh, we're not messing with her. Oh God." Uh huh.
0: Yeah. No, Respect your see. elders, because they they'll, will come for you. They'll kill you in their car.
1: <laughs> hey, look! It's her. Oh, just the hottest hot rodder on the West Coast. That little old lady? No way! See you, later, boys. <laughs> Whoa the little old lady from Pasadena. So in 1993, what also came out was the Camp California, uh, the Turbo CD Camp California game.
0: Yep, the long-rumored, thought-to-be-canceled Camp California Turbo CD game at this point was an entirely different game. You could consider it a sequel to Yo Bro, and it had the most personality of the Camp California gang shown so far in public media. Everything I know about these characters comes from this game, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a side-scrolling platformer this time around. It's not a horrible overview-head action game, thank God. It plays kind of traditionally. It starts off with you as Byron the Bear, this massive sprite who gets hit by everything coming at him because he's just so huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's on the beach. He punches away beach balls. He punches rats. He punches everything. His power is to punch. And as you go through the game, you eventually encounter the other Camp California characters, and you unlock them as playable characters. And each of them has their own unique uh, abilities and jumping styles. Like, some of them can jump higher than others, some of them can go further. They all have different attacks. And you navigate around this non-linear map with each area requiring a different animal and their expertise in order to go through it. That sounds pretty cool, right? Like yeah. a Like a proto-Metroidvania, maybe? Here's the thing. Actually, it sucks.
1: It sucks real bad.
0: So this map screen I mentioned, you need gas to navigate it because you go across it and they're woody. You go across several locations in California and Nevada trying to to find the band members and also your stolen instruments. You'll figure it out if you play the game. Don't worry about it. In order to get more gas, you have to explore each level, every nook and cranny, for garbage. you got to hunt down that garbage, which you can somehow convert into gas for your woody, so you can go around this cockamamie idea of a mini-map, where you have multiple resources to track for some reason. (laughs) And it's really strict, too, because you can run out of gas in your uh, travel between levels, and if you didn't collect enough garbage, your gas runs out, The woody breaks down, and it's summoned back to life with a full tank at the cost of a life. This is a problem because you get five lives and one continue for a total of ten lives. You can eventually run out of lives on the map screen and use your one continue to to survive. That's, That's a situation the game can put you in. It's really unfortunate.
1: So when I say it costs a life, do you have to, like, throw one of the Camp California members into the gar- the tank itself? Yeah, like, I, they assume sacrifice so, I assume so.
0: You just uh, toss a little asshole into the wood chipper and <laughs> have him be converted into gas. That's awful. This is also from ICOM Simulations. They were well-versed in platformers by this point, so it was a little bit better. Maybe around the quality range of Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally for Super Nintendo, which they also made, if that gives you any kind of indication of, for quality. Oh, no. It's not fantastic. But it is serviceable. I managed to get into the game enough to do a one credit clear after one crash during a stream. So yes, the game can crash. It's kind of a problem to navigate. Mm-hmm. Some of the characters aren't viable at all. But how do I dive into just how weird this game is? So let's talk about the Beach Boys integration first of all.
1: Okay, yes, yes.
0: The soundtrack in this game, it's a, a Graphics Super CD-ROM. So you would naturally expect Red Book Audio, right? Mm -hmm. And yep, it does have it. It has three Beach Boys songs. Fun, fun, fun. I Get Around. Mm -hmm. And it has good vibrations. So if you're going to pick three Beach Boys songs, pretty good pick, right? Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Those songs only play in-game during sequences you will only see for approximately three to four (laughs) seconds at a time. So I Get Around plays on the map screen. But to get to the next level, it takes you like three to four seconds. So all you hear is round, round, get around. I get around. I," And then it ends. (laughs) And then it takes you to the character select screen, which plays good vibrations. So after a short load, you hear, I I love the... (laughs) Yeah. And that's all you ever hear of that, every single time. Uh, The results screen plays fun, 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 but you never get enough garbage for it to get to any of the vocals. You just hear the opening guitar riff, and that's it. (laughs) So there's a Beach Boys loop in this game that you hear after every level. You hear that guitar riff, and then you hear, round, round, get around, I get around. And then you hear, I. And that's the only Beach Boys you hear in the (laughs) game. It's always that, I, yeah. And... There's a real disconnect between one of the biggest and most successful pieces of American rock music from the 60s being played over a character select screen with all these badly drawn (laughs) birds and bears. Just why? It feels like a massive waste, like throwing pearls before bears.
1: (laughs) Pearls before nasty pelican men.
0: What else is there to say about this game? Yeah, so, so you learn about the characters and what they're like in this game. There's Byron the Cool Bear who the intro describes as a cool bear daddy, which means something quite different nowadays.
1: I I don't know about that.
0: There's also Little Bro, his little brother. Mm -hmm. In this game, Little Bro is playable and he is totally worthless because he has no attack, unlike every other character.
1: But he skateboards!
0: He rams his skateboard into enemies, which, given the game's hit detection, means you'll probably take damage in the process. Oh, cool. You also have a pair of birds... There's the pelican, who we call Jack Nicholson Bird because mm-hmm. that's who he sounds like in the cutscenes. Mm-hmm. You need him to swim underwater, and he's the only character who can drown. And given this is Icom and their love for disturbing elements in children's games, you get to see this bird turn blue and drown, and its corpse float to the top of the ocean every time you die. happens
1: <laughs> a lot. And it's disturbing.
0: You also have uh, the small character, a little duck or something. Yeah. Who me and Alex have come to name Little Asshole because he talks like this and he's a little asshole.
1: Yeah, it's me. I'm a little asshole. And I'm going to kick your ass.
0: He spins around like the Tasmanian devil and it <laughs> makes a cartoon sound effect when that happens. And finally, there's Lanky Bird who's all, I don't know, he's big. I guess he's a stoner or something.
1: Yeah, he's, he's like, whatever. He's
0: the last character you find and he can fly. So he pretty much breaks the rest of the game. I mentioned this game only has three Beach Boys songs. During each level, it also plays Red Book audio. Not Beach Boys music, but production audio. Yes. That is music (laughs) created for commercial purposes to be used in other things. So it's just super generic music designed to be used in a variety of situations like there is one track in fact that you'll be familiar with if you've ever heard the disney what was it
1: uh the dtv uh kind of the weird disney music video thing they did on the disney channel in the 80s it yeah, uses, it yeah, uses the
0: same the same theme song which goes a little bit something like this So yeah, the game is just full of production music, just nothing related to the game, the characters, or the Beach Boys. It's just, I guess Mike Love thought this music was quality enough to include in the game. Maybe he didn't trust the uh, ICOM in-house musicians or something.
1: And it's all from one CD. It's all from the, ne- it's all from one uh, Network Music Ensemble CD. So they literally got one CD. They were like, "Yes, yeah, this is fine. And then they just like put that on. I think it's the CD is called After School Rock. So that's. So That's so here's
0: here's the game. It's just a collection, a motley crew of bears and birds who like surfing and partying. And they go around California collecting garbage to generic licensed music that has nothing to do with the <laughs> Beach Boys. An incredibly odd game. Uh, it's much more beatable and I'd say playable than Yo Bro for sure. But what a strange thing to cap off Camp California with. I guess it gave you insight into what the characters were supposed to be like, what they were going to be on the proposed cartoon, whatever that was, though the voice actors are different. They were just uh, traditional CD-ROM performers from the time, not like Nancy Cartwright or whoever. Mm-hmm.
1: They they did they do sound decent. I think they sound decent for what it is.
0: It's decent voice acting, for sure, mm-hmm. uh, with the one exception of the in-game sound effects, which... Uh, every time Byron takes a hit, it sounds like he yelled into a microphone with no pop filter, at which point he says, Pogus.
1: Oh, yeah, Pogus.
0: Every time you get hit, Pogus. It's a real ramshackle production and feels uneven in a lot of ways. And yet, given what we know about Camp California now, it's kind of a miracle it actually came out. hmm Because, Alex, why don't you tell us about the other media that was supposed to exist for Camp California? So
1: as I mentioned, Sony re- Sony was initially going to release release something called The Beach Kit, which was going to be a Camp California cartoon along with a CD. Now, they released a CD, but they didn't release the cartoon. and in fact, the cartoon didn't get released. And also, remember Tom Hewlett from Tom Hewlett and Associates?
0: Mm-hmm. The one guy who, aside from Mike Love, is probably the driving force behind this. Mm-hmm. The
1: guy had been pushing for the Camp California cartoon f- to be produced. He'd been doing it for years. Well, in nineteen 19- and on July thirtieth he died. Uh, 1993 Of 1993 on July 30th he dies so uh, the year that the CD comes out that the uh, game comes out and that I assume the cartoon was supposed to have a release yeah he's no more so he's not there and the cartoon is missing in action
0: I guess it died on the vine or something I've saw. Yeah, I saw um, one reference to it possibly having a pilot or something but no one knows anything about that mm-hmm. or if it ever in fact existed and yeah. from what Alex found out from his research is essentially all we can assume is Tom Hewlett was the linchpin of this whole operation, mm-hmm. really pushing to make it happen with what little was left of the Beach Boys in the early 90s. And with him gone, apparently it just could not be.
1: Yeah, and you need also we also need to factor in the fact that the Japanese satellite TV and radio boom also was dying at the time. It died as soon as it started. Uh, I, at the same, in uh, 93, 94, Saint Gigo was in uh, dire straits as well, so... I'm assuming that a lot of the satellite TV companies, the need for this, uh, the, the stuff just wasn't happening because people weren't subscribing, you know, it, they just didn't need the content anymore. In fact, in 1995, Mudia, that big splashy thing that the the two Japanese corporations and Tom Hewlett and Lionel were working on, it just dissolves unceremoniously. It gets a huge push, all the magazines writing about ninety two and then ninety five just quietly dies. In fact, I couldn't find a single article about it dissolving. I had to look in uh I had to look in corporate files to find out when it actually like when the, they filed for dissolution or whatever. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So it sounds like a bunch of mitigating factors that individually might have not affected much, but given a major death in in the management, Mm -hmm. as well as several other related problems, I guess whoever was left at Camp California Inc. decided that it wasn't worth pushing for that cartoon after all. Nope. Which is a shame, because, man, that game really built up the Camp California brand. In one level of Camp California for Turbo CD, in the background, you can see plush toys of the starring cast <laughs> just really driving home, being like, Hey, you can play the game. You can hear the audio CD. You can buy the plush. Camp California is invading your neck of the woods now, so watch out, everyone. The bears are on the loose. <laughs> Unfortunately, the bears were shot on sight. <laughs>
1: The bears were respectfully caught and put back in their California forest to surf in peace
0: Alright, so if you want to see Byron the bear, head on to the the California Nature Preserve Mm -hmm. Where he's kept caged with his little brother
1: Yeah, just go to Doheny Danny, I just realized something Uh Uh-huh Byron Yeah Brian
0: Whoa Byron Brian Byron
1: Brian!
0: Oprah Uma. Uma O... Op- okay. <laughs> yeah, Byron the Bear was the stand-in for Brian Wilson. It's just... I don't know. I kind of like the idea of the Beach Boys having personas. So, I do, too. It's so out there, and yet it kind of makes sense from a marketing perspective. Mm-hmm. That's how you appeal to kids. You got these rad skateboarding bears. Uh, you know, they were just... They were tearing it up back then. Wally Bear and the No Gang... Um, Smokey the Bear. He started wearing jeans. Very, oh yeah, very oh, 90s. Weird.
1: Why was that? Anyways, there I, was I uh.
0: Hogged. What other bears?
1: Um, let's see. There was the Coca Cola bears. You gotta go. Oh yeah, yeah, those yeah. The,
0: the polar bears. They mm-hmm. they caught on big. People started adopting polar bears because of the Coke commercials. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was really a shitty time to be in suburbia. <laughs> They would just release them into the streets, and then, you know, it'd be Christmas time, you'd have a bunch of bears all hopped up on caffeine. Just
0: All these all these kids getting bears for Christmas, who's going to take care of them? You can't just flush them down the toilet, you got sewers filled with bears now. Anyway, that's California's problem that they'll have to deal with for the next 20 to 30 years.
1: Ah, uh, makes sense.
0: But, I guess in conclusion... We couldn't really find a definitive reason for why (laughs) Camp California dissolved. No. Uh, This was all behind the scenes, probably covered under NDAs. Uh, A lot of the information probably died with Tom Hewlett himself, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, If these people want to come forward nowadays and tell us more about the project, we'd be glad to do a follow-up episode. Yes. But if you're looking for a final definitive end to the Camp California saga, sorry, we don't have one. We just have our best educated guesses. And I'm surprised we got even that much, considering mm-hmm. how little media of Camp California ended up actually being released to the public. You got the Hardys toys, you got the audio CD, and two video games for a console no one bought here in the States. Just, wow. Maybe if they picked the Sega Genesis, they'd be doing a little bit better.
1: Maybe if they picked someone who could make some platform? <laughs> that t- I don't know. that
0: might have helped. Maybe don't get the people who made Ghost Manor to make your fun video game for kids and expect it to not have a bunch of gore and shit in it. But that's the story of Camp California, ICOM, creator of horror games, who definitely did not want to make a game about a skateboarding bear and made it very plain in what they ended up creating. And cross-media production gone wrong. It was the right time for it. They Mm -hmm. had a good plan. It was an established formula. But for various reasons, they just couldn't pull it together and make it happen. Fortunately, we do have a little bit of media left over, so you can enjoy YoPro and Camp California to a limited extent mm-hmm. and wonder about what could have been. Alex, you have any final thoughts here?
1: Um, no. Uh, my final thought is Camp California ain't coming back. Uh, they lost the copyrights in 1999, they just kind of let them uh, expire, so. Yeah, Camp California, it was going to be a big media blitz at a time when kids' media and kids' cartoons was really blowing up, and a lot of people were dipping their toes in that, Steven Spielberg was, uh, all kinds of folks were kind of dipping into that thing. He had uh, Fox, you know, there was a big, big time for kids' cartoons, and they really, really, really wanted this to be a big cross-marketed, huge thing, and just economic circumstances and just life. got looks like it got in between them.
0: That's a shame. Mm -hmm. And that is just one of many stories relating to lost media properties regarding uh, children's TV, cartoons, that kind of thing. All sorts of stories out there. For every biker mice from Mars, there's a thousand skateboarding bears from California.
1: (laughs) Jack Nicholson Pelicans drowning. And Jack Nicholson
0: Pelicans drowning
1: (laughs) horribly. Their bloated corpses rising to the top.
0: Thanks, ICOM. That would be a great death in Shadowgate. Better put it in your children's game. (laughs)
1: Oh, I do want to say one more thing about the Camp California game for uh, Turbo CD. Sure. Rat (laughs) Nagel.
0: The game has its moments, including a parody art print of, what's his name, Robert Nagel? Yeah. Yeah, one of his distinctive artworks was given a rat-inspired makeover for a background gag. And you know what? That kind of detail, I can appreciate.
1: I love that rat.
0: Love that rat. Do you know anything about the Camp California mystery? Can you fill us in on the gaps in our uh, the history that we've put together here? Please contact us. Message us on Facester, my Zanga.
1: <laughs> We're on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash RetroPalsHQ. If you have any info, please send it to us there, too. We would really appreciate knowing.
0: Yeah, again, we'll be glad to produce a follow-up episode. This is mm-hmm. just a compilation of everything we found out, everything Alex could ascertain by using the UT library. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, I actually... I actually had to had to go into some actual research things, like I was some kind of journalist in a movie or something. Yeah,
0: we we hit the streets, or Alex did. I'm
1: I'm hitting the smoky well, it's not smoky library, and saw all like you know the like the the dramatic lighting on me, and instead of looking up like CIA information, I'm like Byron Bear,
0: <laughs> Bear, comma Byron. <laughs> I can imagine that's what you were doing. I'm at the in. Library. I
1: say in my hacker man voice. I'm in.
0: And the ghost of Byron pats you on the shoulder and says, good job.
1: Good job, bro. This ain't pogus at all.
0: (laughs) Not pogus, man. Not pogus. As he
1: dissipates into the air.
0: You've redeemed me. (laughs) And those were the final words of Byron the Bear. Rip, man. Thanks for listening. This has been episode four of the Retro Pals podcast. Highlighting something that only we can talk about. Uh, you know us. I'm a video game asshole. Alex is a media history asshole. Mm-hmm. Occasionally our interests collide and we tag team a specific subject in order to find out as much about it as we can. Hope to do this more in the future. Yeah. Uh, assuming that any other lost media involving bears and birds ever comes between us.
1: <laughs> and assuming they'll let me back on UT after I was like, I found Byron! <laughs> in the middle of the library.
0: <laughs> and everyone was like, like, shh. <laughs> Check us out at RetroPals.club. There you can find links to our Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter accounts. We stream video games on Twitch. Weird ones. Uh, in fact, this whole thing came about because our patrons voted us to play TurboGrafx Beach Boys games. A niche that I didn't think existed a few years ago, but now I know better. If you want to vote for what we play, head to patreon.com slash retropals, give us a few bucks, and you'll get early access to videos, along with other fun stuff that we produce.
1: I love fun stuff, and I'm excited to uh, see what fun stuff we do in the future.
0: Yes, we are the fun manufacturers. We All re- right, shut down the factory. That's enough fun for one day.
1: <laughs> that was the worst!
0: Is that supposed to be the whistle from the Flintstones?
1: Yeah, it was a little asshole from uh, Camp California <laughs> and the whistle. Eee!
0: There you go. That's more like little asshole. Oh, God, my voice. Have a great rest of your evening. Thanks (laughs) for listening.
1: See ya, folks.